0: Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to the Corbett Report. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're tuned into Questions for Corbett, where you ask the questions and I supply the answers. And this week, I'm going to tackle one of those questions that I receive, I won't say constantly, but consistently, and have received in some form over the years from many different people on many different occasions. And the question is, well, it's always phrased a little bit differently, but always swirls around the same issues of given the conspiracy realities that you document on the Corbett report, how then should I invest my future uh, in my future? What what should I do with my pension? What how do I prepare for retirement? What kinds of money or currency should I be stockpiling or transacting with others in, etc. Or The most cynical variation of this, okay, well, given these conspiracies, how do I make money, (laughs) is sometimes um, what is being asked more or less directly. Well, okay, these are important questions. So let's take a look at some of those variations that I've received over the years. For example, I have uh, this question in from Emily. Hi, James, I'm a huge fan of your work. I've been listening to your platform since 2013. Mind you, there are periods in that time when I went back to sleep and didn't focus on all of these issues. I'm also Canadian, like you. I have... Beaded witness, been witness to Justin's policy over the last few years abruptly erode many of our freedoms. I'm really afraid living here. I want your honest opinion. I have some money, not a lot, but I don't want it locked into the digital money system that is going to be rolled out. Where can I put it? Do you think more established crypto such as Bitcoin or Ethereum is a good idea? Or is that just a dead end as well? Like will they pass a law banning all forms of cryptocurrency? Or should I buy gold and silver? which, from my understanding, could potentially be confiscated by our government if they wanted to. Please let me know what you think. Thank you for the question, Emily, or a question I received from Dana. I'm a 46-year-old single parent and have worked very hard to ensure I have an adequate retirement account to fund me in my retirement years. As I listen to predictions of the downfall of fiat currency and recommendations for alternatives in addition to all those groups that say live off the land, I struggle with the concept in relation to aging. Aging. No one seems to be addressing the retiring or retired community or how all of this New World Order planning affects a well-planned retirement. I want to be less dependent on government, but I don't want to be starving and destitute when I'm older. Any articles recommended that addresses these concepts? Or there's this question from Cavita, Cavita, Cavita. In this latest phase of banking collapses, I've been struggling, like most everyone else, I guess, to figure out what to do with my money. I agree with what you said in your article today, Party Like It's 1907, that two of the best solutions to bank collapses and CBDCs is to pull our money out of the banks and into like-minded communities and cryptocurrencies, i.e. as long as you are part of a community of like-minded people that are willing to participate in free exchange, there will be no shortage of monetary ideas to try out. And the promise of cryptocurrency continues to be what it has always been, a cryptographically secure tool for transacting in the counter-economy. So I have two practical questions. One, what is the best cryptocurrency for someone like me who is neither very tech savvy nor financially savvy savvy? Second, where can one, where can one find a community of like-minded people who are developing alternative, relative autonomous systems? Et cetera, etc. Cetera. As I say, I've received the, some form of this question quite consistently over the many 16 years that I've been doing this podcast. So I think, there are several points to make here, and perhaps the first point is to say that I have actually addressed this, 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 the flavor of this question quite specifically in a previous edition of Solutions Watch that was recorded nearly three years ago now. That I will commend to your attention if you haven't seen it already or if you've forgotten about it. It's called Investing in Agorism or Agorism. Uh, an edition of Solutions Watch that is in the Corporate Report archives that was a roundtable discussion between myself and three other guests expounding on this question of investment, retirement, savings, how to invest in the future, etc. And I think there were some important points made in that discussion that I'll come back to later. But all but that by way of saying that I am not an investment advisor and I am not... uh, I do not play one on TV even. Uh, So... I am not here giving specific investment advice, and uh, that's certainly not my role. Um, I did, for example, in that Solutions Watch talk to someone like Tim Pachot, who literally does do investment ad- advice and, and is an investment advisor for a living and can talk about that in much greater detail than I can. So I'm not going to give specific investment advice if um, that is what is any- anyone is after. Um, secondly, I'll say that the concept that we have been inculcated with well, certainly my whole life and presumably the lifetime of pretty much everyone in the audience, is this New Deal era infantilization of the public that has taught them that a government-run or administered pension system is the only way to secure your financial future for your retirement. Don't worry about the details of all this money stuff. Just give it over to this government pension plan and mommy or daddy government will take care of it for you. There, there. Run along, child. Um, but, of course, even if, point number three, even if government could be trusted as a steward of your money, which, newsflash, it can't, <laughs> in case you needed that spelled out, um, it's still, that entire concept still relies on a lot of suppositions about the future, as of course all retirement planning must, but if you think about it, our retirement planning in the context of early 21st century people who are going to be retiring in the coming years are have obviously been planning their entire lives and are continuing to plan within the framework of the broader global monetary context and the financial context of Pax Americana post-World War II and the sort of global system of finance and monetary stability Stability that, or relative stability that that has brought. So, of course, all planning is within that context, but what if that context radically shifts in very short order, as changeovers in world monetary paradigms tend to do? And that is a prospect that people were facing, say, back in the 1970s. I mean, imagine if you were retiring in the 1970s, even in the relatively stable, relatively prosperous U.S. economy, but with all these oil price inflation and the energy shock and all of that and all of these questions about runaway inflation and what to do about it and going off of the gold standard and the undermining of Bretton and Woods and the replacement with the petrodollar system. I mean, crazy times to be thinking about planning for a retirement at that stage. Well, move along 50 years and now how much more unstable or at least questionable is the very near future context where, as people point out, well, whatever you think of it, whether you think this is going to be the savior of the world or not, and you know where I stand on this, but at any rate, the the multipolar world Context is coming into view with the prospect of the petro yuan and some very, very profound changes in the global monetary system, which will obviously bring with them profound changes in the global financial system, which will obviously change the entire context of whatever retirement planning you've been doing. So how do you prepare for that? Well, it may be less about some specific investment strategy that you take and more about the concept of investment, which I will get into shortly. But that brings us to our fourth point. As I have pointed out before here on the podcast and the corporate report generally, the horse of community has to precede the cart of whatever monetary device that you are transacting in or hoarding for your retirement nest egg, right? Um, You can have the best, the most perfect, the most wonderful monetary idea that's ever been devised in the history of humanity. But if you're the only one who knows or cares about it or is willing to use it, then it's worthless. The, the value of any monetary instrument is only going to be, is dependent on the community that uh, supports the transaction of that monetary instrument. So, for example, Monero, yes, wonderful. Well, I will let people decide for themselves their own sense of the risk factor of a cryptocurrency in general, and whether or not they think Monero in particular really is the anonymity tool that it is purported to be. Um, Personally, I am comfortable using Monero, and I'm one of maybe a dozen people (laughs) that I know in the entire world who are similarly comfortable using Monero. I can attest to the fact that uh, of the Corbett Report subscribers, for example, people who pay to subscribe to the Corbett Report, a a sliver of a fraction of a percentage point of those subscribers subscribe via cryptocurrency and a sliver of a percentage point of those cryptocurrency subscribers use monero so long story short yes i mean okay great right. monero it's a wonderful solution but is there a community around it maybe you do have or know a community of people who have who will uh, have agreed to trade in monero and or whatever fill in the blank with anything. This could be gold or silver or anything else. Maybe you have that network of local farmers and businesses and what have you that you can actually get your daily needs from that particular monetary instrument. If so, great. That is the solution more so than the monetary instrument itself. But uh, all I know is I can't get my daily bread in Monero here in Japan or my daily rice bowl, as it were. So... Um, I think that's something to consider when we start talking about well should I should I invest my nest egg in this or that? Um, yeah, maybe diversifying portfolios is always a good idea to hedge against potential future shocks but um, again, community seems to be the basis of this, which brings us to the fifth point and addressing Kavita's question there about community and how do I how do I find a community that that will trade with me and that will, be part of that retirement or long-term investment strategy? Good question. And it's one that I have, again, specifically addressed in a previous edition of Solutions Watch on building community, which, in case you missed it, I'll throw the link in the show notes, of course, for today's episode at uh, QFC-money. Um, quarterreport.com slash QFC-money, that is. Uh, so you can go see that thorough exploration of the concept of building or finding community And the hardships that are involved in that, this is not going to be an easy process and it's not a question of just stepping out your door and there's a community and all right, we're away to the races. But I think that is, that is the type of investment that will pay off most assuredly in the long run. You see, because I think people have been trained to think of investment as an investment in this stock or this bond, in this particular monetary instrument or what have you rather than investment in the future that will be playing out which as i say is subject to such profound geopolitical geo economic shocks that will completely upend all of the things we think we know about the future but if we have a community in place then that community will be our investment in the future yes together we will be able to provide each other with our daily needs and we will be able to Uh, take care of each other. That is the ultimate ideal. And that, but is that investment? Creating a community? Is that investment? Why not? And that, I think, leads to the sixth and I think most important point that I want to make here. What do we mean by investment? This isn't just a semantic quibble. Well, let's just look it up in the dictionary. Investment means... No, 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 no. What is our concept of that and how does that inform our planning for the future? Now, this is a point that was addressed quite specifically in that previously mentioned Solutions Watch that I did on investing in agorism. I think it is an incredibly important point that was raised in that discussion that I would like to underline here because I think the question, the concept of what investing in the future means and the way that we define that will be incredibly integral to our understanding of how to plan for our future retirement.
1: So an investment to me is I spend a certain amount of money today and I get a greater amount of value tomorrow. Is that in dollars? Maybe, is it in food? Maybe, is it in work? Maybe, is it in uh, a return of labor? Maybe, but one way or another, whatever I spend, I want more back in the future than I get today. And maybe not for myself. When I do charity, I look at charity as an investment. I'm giving the money to an entity who I feel can do more with it than I can. And if I don't feel they can do more with it than I can, I'm not giving them the money. I'm not doing it to feel good. I'm doing it to get a return of investment on the other side. I don't necessarily have to get all of it back. And I think we've, we've been dumbed down to the point where we don't even understand what the hell an investment is anymore. We you think an investment is? I put in $5. I get back $10. At least you're in the right direction there, but what if the ten dollars is now worth what four was when you put the five into it? Nobody ever asked that question, and and it's 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 become the case that like that's where we're at. That's that's kind of what Tim was talking about with the uh, the Weimar Republic stock market, right? It looked really great on paper, but if you couldn't buy anything with it, if you couldn't buy enough toilet paper to wipe your rear end with it, it didn't do you any good. So I think that we need to make every decision that we make based on what we put our money into, based on what's going to come out on the other side, whether we get it back or not. If I wanted to go somewhere else, that's fine, too. But we need to be thinking that way, and we need to broaden it to every single thing that we do. A tree is an investment. Yeah. And I really yeah. mean that. A tree yeah. is an investment. Uh, quality livestock that will reproduce for me is an investment. And when you start thinking that way, it gets really easy, really fast. Yeah. If that makes no, it's a
0: it's a great point because we have been trained essentially to think investing equals stocks and bonds. That's it. IRA maybe, but that's 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 what investing is. But you're right. I mean, let's start thinking about it in the bigger picture. And we are getting something out of every exchange we do. Are we maximizing what we are getting out? Are we thinking about the long term actual productivity of what we're investing our time, money, energy, thoughts, and creative process on? Most people probably aren't. I'll cut it there, but I sincerely hope that if you are interested in the answer to this question for Corbett today, that you will go and check out that full conversation if you haven't yet done so. I think there was a lot of valuable and some quite specific information about investment um, that was provided in that conversation, but also the bigger picture of this, which I trust you understand, as I say, is not just quibbling about semantics. The very question of the definition of investment and what it is we are seeking to get out of the future and what we are willing to put into the present in order to get that is of paramount concern. Are we concerned with the type of world that we are bringing into existence through our investment of our time, our money, our energy, etc.? Should we be? Well, I'd say the answer is yes, and I say that advisedly because I have talked about it several times in the past, specifically why... We also have to be concerned about what we are investing in, not simply whether we can make money out of it. And again, I'm sure that this is a point that should be obvious to people out in the audience, but let's make it explicit. And to do so, let's turn back to a couple of articles that I wrote way back in 2015, one of which is titled, Exciting Investment Opportunity in Afghanistan! Record Returns Expected! And can you guess what I am alluding to with that title? Well, as I go on to discuss in that article, a mysterious brand new strain of poppy seed has appeared on the scene this year, that is 2015, promising a better crop than ever before. Which, of course, is a win-win for everyone invested in the deep state-run and sanctioned heroin black market that Afghanistan has for some time now been the key supplier of. Um, stewarded over for at least a couple of decades here in the 21st century by NATO. Um, But it has been, I mean, the heroin black market generally has been run essentially as a military slash intelligence operation since the days, at the very least, of the Golden Triangle, as ably and amply documented by researchers like uh, Alfred McCoy, Politics of Heroin, the work of Peter Dale Scott, who has written much On this subject besides, so that should be familiar to my readers and listeners. But uh, also, as I go on to state in that exciting investment opportunity article, the sale of heroin is, again at the time I was writing in 2015, a $55 billion a year trade even by official UN estimates. Controlling the poppy fields of Afghanistan, therefore, is a military operation that pays for itself for any occupier unscrupulous enough to protect the drug trade. So that's a pretty extreme example, but uh, I think an apt one, of how, yeah, sure, sure, if you're willing to go in and boots on the ground, cause bloodshed, chaos, bring order at the point of a gun, and direct certain things that you'll outlaw and kill other people for doing, but you'll be secretly doing on the side, hey, there's, there's a way to make money, and I'm sure it'll be a good boon for the future. Well, that's one concept of investment. How about this other one, which again should probably strike Listeners of the Corbett Report, upon a moment's contemplation, again from 2015, profiting from war has never been so easy. Which notes that uh, if you're looking to make money, you'll never go broke investing in the military-industrial complex, unfortunately. Uh, I wish I was wrong about that. Sadly, as the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, CIPRI, outlines in their annual report on global military expenditure, I'm depressingly right. In that report, Trends in Military World Military Expenditure 2014, CIPRI puts hard numbers to what we already know to be true, that the powers that shouldn't be are still spending unprecedented amounts of money on armaments. And as I go on to write later on in that article, sadly there's no sign that any of this is going to change anytime soon. The battle against ISIS, remember that, ICIS, is the perfect pretext for U.S. contractors to make a killing in the Middle East. The Ukraine crisis... 2014 15 edition, rather than the 2023 edition, but it's the same edition, isn't it? Is the perfect pretext for NATO members to collectively commit to a 2% military budget increase. Instability in North Africa is the perfect pretext for that continent to lead the globe with the largest year on year military expenditure increase of any region. And China's growing naval presence in the South China Sea and East China Sea not to mention those crazy North Koreans, is the perfect pretext for Japan to sign a revised security agreement with the U.S., one that will see even greater and deeper military cooperation between the two countries, and update in 2023 the largest military expenditures in Japanese history. But they don't have a military, guys. It's not an army. It's not offensive. It's a self-defense force. (laughs) And as I write later on in that article, all around the world tensions are flaring and the usual Lockheed, Boeing, General Dynamics, Raytheon vultures are there to swoop up, swoop in and scoop up the profit. So to answer the question, how do we make money from the current geopolitical situation? The answer sadly is invest in the military industrial complex. But perhaps more to the point, is this really the question that we want to be asking in the first place? Or should we be more concerned with defunding and disempowering the current system. And I'll let you read the rest of that article to figure out what that means in that context, but I think you get the idea. Let's never ever lose sight of the forest for the trees. For example, sure, you can make a killing investing in Raytheon stock or General Dynamics or what have you, but unfortunately that isn't just an expression. No, blood money, actual blood money that is harvested from the blood of the innocent victims of the military industrial complex around the world. Ka-ching, ka-ching, yay, right? So we have to be somewhat scrupulous in terms of how? How do we plan to make this money that is going to be our retirement nest egg? Or is that a retirement nest egg? Are our children our investment in the future and their livelihoods and how they make a living in the world? Maybe that's something we need to be investing our time and energy and attention on. I know. There is the practical dimension to this. Well, okay, yeah, but I need to eat on a daily basis. And at a point, certain point, I'm not going to be able to physically work anymore. So how am I going to provide for myself? But again, I, I think if we've been preparing for decades, ideally, for the community that will foster and allow that to happen, then we'd be... We wouldn't even be asking the question. Of course, it's a long way from here to there, isn't it? Anyway... Just to underline and put in double bold font type that point that I'm making about blood money and how easy it is to ka-ching-ka-ching, make money, I will direct you to what that really means from my 2016 video on the real cost of the War of Terror. But all of this is to say, yes, I have talked specifically about investing in investments in the past um, in that Solutions Watch and elsewhere, but I think the, the fundamental question of what, what are we asking and what are we looking for is the operative question. So, perhaps there is no better answer to the most cynical form of this question, but how do I make money from these conspiracies, James? Um, then the answer that I gave to that exact question, posed in a admittedly tongue-in-cheek manner, but that exact question that was posed to me in the Q&A that took place after my presentation at Studium General in Groningen, the Netherlands, back in 2014. So today I will leave you with that clip which I believe has never I've never played before. But anyway, here is that question and answer. And I think it makes the point effectively enough. And on that note, we're going to leave it here for today. As I say, I hope you'll go to corbettreport.com qfc-money if you are interested in any of the articles or documents that I've been talking about, the videos, etc. that I've been talking about today, they will all be linked up there. But that will do it for today and for this edition of Questions for Corbett, I am James Corbett of corbettreport.com looking forward to talking to you again in the near future.
1: Um, I have a question. It's related to money as well. Uh, We heard your wonderful presentation tonight, and uh, yeah, I find it myself very interesting. But um, I'm kind of short of on cash myself, so I want to have some investment advice. So how can I turn this information into some money, maybe buy some shares? um... Ah. Buy
0: shares in NATO, yeah. Very good, very good. Here's my tip. You can never go broke betting on the military-industrial complex. Go with, go with Boeing, go with Lockheed Martin, you know, just bet with all of those companies, you're going to make tons of money, until we turn it around and we bring down the covert operations and the people who are puppeteering them and the companies that are profiting from them to the tunes of billions of dollars, in which case your investments will plummet into the ground and I will laugh all the way to the bank. Not the bank. The non-bank.
1: Yes, thank you very much, James.
0: Yes, thank you.